0: Welcome, one and all, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Are you ready for the danger zone, Pete? He was an idiot.
1: Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, for Short Treks episode 202, The Trouble with Edward, comes to you now via genetically manipulated DNA.
0: And just a bit of fleet news before we get to the episode. Pete, here we are. Two new Star Treks in the last week. Uh, But now we go into the somewhat fallow times. The next one, Ask Not. That's your November 14th episode.
1: Yeah, get ready for the drought. Our uh, cup overrunneth here, but the replicator is going to be pretty lonely for the next month.
0: Luckily, of course, in the interim, you know, we have the premiere of Watchmen on HBO that we'll be watching and podcasting. They'll also be the premiere of The Mandalorian, along with the premiere of Disney Plus as a service between now and the next short Trek. So, Pete, we got our comic book shows, we got our Star War shows, and then we'll circle back to Star's Trek in about a month time. Don't leave out god me there. Absolutely. That, that Pete, the, the, the placid happy thing that we podcast each week there's no you know oh boy pete edward is such a ninny it's just kind of it's this bright spot on the tv schedule it's a bright spot on the podcast schedule as well wait till that control storyline kicks in (laughs) well with that
1: pete let's head to our mission briefing. The Enterprise warps into view above Prajean 63 on Stardate 1421.9. Science officer Lynn Lucero has been promoted to captain of the research vessel Cabot and enjoys her last walk and talk with Captain Pike in the Enterprise hallway.
0: Pete, you think of all the times that we've seen the Enterprise. So rare to see it, kind of in the full nighttime lighting here, or I suppose lack thereof. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous presentation of the ship. Uh, She's headed out, though, headed off that ship, as you said. Pike suggests that she show no weakness. But seriously, she's a brilliant scientist. Pete, there's Pike in a nutshell. He's sharing some real overall genuine uh, advice he's not literally saying show no weakness but he's reminding her she's a captain now but uh, also giving her a at a person on the back
1: and reminding her uh and her boundless optimism that not everybody's on her intellectual level
0: on her new ship she's doing a, a staff briefing a science briefing there's a bit of a story tangent that's just long enough to tell us about soil pH levels to make it sound science science of the science. Then there's Edward Larkin, who has a department by himself. He doesn't know that they share resources. Uh, and in fact, Pete, he's having trouble getting his data up.
1: Yes, of course the pad is broken. It's not him. Uh, I love the character affectation that it was broken. Thank you for fixing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but his project is Treblisis Ventrochis. Uh, that, of course, the Tribble. It's cute. And beneath all the cuteness, it's all meat. It's like a scallop and blood red. <laughs> Pete, I know that you haven't been exposed as much to the work of H. John Benjamin. But let me tell you, short of him saying very inappropriate things on Archer, I don't know that it gets much better than this.
1: I, I can definitely respect the work that he's done, you know, now the TV commercial uh, face of Arby's. And, uh, you know, that, that might have been a nice uh, riff there, you know, uh, Tribbles, we have the meat. But, um, you know, he doesn't want to eat the, um, the Tribbles, although he has uh, eaten one or two for research purposes. He fed one to Noel. Uh, the other day, and he enjoyed it. And I love how <laughs> Noel looks at now Captain Lucero and shakes his head.
0: No, I didn't. <laughs> There's only one problem with all of this. They breed slowly. Yes, Pete, slowly. So a little genetic modification is needed. Uh, also, if they fall at all, they will die. Just <laughs> well, this... That just Well,
1: the one that fell died.
0: Yeah, but I mean, Pete, what's the most iconic image of Tribbles? It's a whole bunch falling on Kirk. Um, You know, so Captain Lucero ultimately is ready to put a pin in the whole triple thing. Maybe Edward should work on something else. Pete, he doesn't look so happy being told that.
1: Well, he can't move to climatology. It's a fair point. He's a protein specialist, but Lucero settling into the role of captain here says that they're all scientists there. And then she moves on to oceanography before, Edward is hanging out in the mess hall by the replicator. New boss, huh? Barf.
0: (laughs) Um, He's reiterating that no one likes her. Uh, Later still, it seems that everyone indeed does like Lucero. Uh, And Edward is, of course, still working on those tribbles. Also, it seems someone sent messages to headquarters saying that Lucero is bad at her job and dumb. Uh, Pete, she handles it like the cool boss, in part because, you know, I think her and HQ and probably everybody else on board uh, know the drill here, know the score. Uh, She tells him professionally that she's transferring him due to his poor behavior. Uh, End of conversation. Uh, For him, it's not. And I mean, this, this bit here where, you know, where H. John Benjamin is doing most of the comedic work here. It is one of the funniest moments of Star Trek, as he just won't give up.
1: It was great, and uh, I really respect the way Lucero, as a, a scientist and a captain here, moves to the transfer. Not just a, I don't like you, you're gone. You know, she's she's taken sampling from the crew. You know, I've talked to other scientists and they agree you're a talented biologist but this behavior is not entirely unexpected from you i also liked his uh his comeback about the messages well they're they're anonymous so how can they how can you know they're from me
0: (laughs) um and of course he continues to stress that he's not dumb she's been called dumb he's not dumb uh time passes again there's been a lab breach (laughs) <laughs> we know what has caused it of course it's the tribbles. uh but we kind of see them pinging out here we're gonna get i think in a little bit uh a a you know uh, almost word for word hearkening back to the trouble with tribbles, that they appear to be born pregnant um yeah. and uh who's doing this who's who's caused this surely not edward although he does say look at the meat on those things
1: Yes, and uh, love how during the lab breach, he appears in the hallway, first in the tight shot, with the discovery era PJs on, and then um, the the wider shot wearing no breeches. <laughs>
0: um, the captain reminds him with all this trouble that he's still being booted in two days. Uh, the ship ultimately continues to have more and more tribbles. All of a sudden, they're getting to the circuitry. They're taking oxygen uh, out of the ship. Uh, Edward is continuing to be unconcerned here. This is what happens when you mix triple DNA with human DNA, specifically Edward DNA. <laughs> the reaction shots there, Pete, made me think things that I don't know that I would have thought without those reaction shots. We'll just leave it at that.
1: I particularly enjoyed the crewman coming through the hallway with the vacuum-like device picking up the dribbles.
0: Uh, Phasers get handed out. They're going to try to stun them. But then we see that there's a pressure overload the ship truly in danger. Uh, It becomes clear that now it's time to evacuate. And uh, Pete, his crewmates are hearkening him to come into the... Uh, escape pod or shuttle, whatever it might be. Uh, But he has some things to say. The, uh, the wave of tribbles cresting
1: towards, him. (laughs) Um, you know, he's not dumb. And uh, I love how she shoots it back at him. No, you sent a message to my bosses saying I was dumb. No one ever called you dumb, Matt with a straight face. There is a real danger of dumb people who think, they're not dumb.
0: Yes, and as you see here, ultimately that does end up overtaking them, their own actions. Uh, well, here are the actions of the Tribbles overtaking Edward just as that uh, escape device leaves. Um, and very clearly he, his life is snuffed out. Uh, the last scene here, two weeks later, she's before some sort of review board uh looking a lot less concerned than the last time we saw a review board that at the end of uh, discovery episode one oh i guess that'd be yeah at
1: least these at least these uh these brass
0: have faces yes maybe that was a maybe there's a fuller era thing where brass doesn't have faces um but anyhow her failures are counted out here she's lost a ship A crew member has passed away. A planet has needed to be abandoned. And the Tribbles are headed into Klingon space, which makes this a diplomatic situation. How does she explain all of this, Pete?
1: (laughs) He was an idiot.
0: Pete, with that incoming threat analysis, I do see a countdown that our oxygen only has about 20 minutes left on the ship. Uh, who would you pin this on? Definitely Edward Larkin. And,
1: you know, what, what makes the short tracks such a, a welcome joy, this is a story they could not really tell. I mean, they could certainly do a triple origin story in a, in a regular length episode. They'd never be able to commit to this type of tone.
0: Yeah, particularly, you know, Pete, since the short treks are back and I, I dusted off the All Access uh, subscription, I've been going back through season two. When you're able to watch season two, and this is true of season one as well, but when you watch season two, you know, just kind of binging it, the the serial nature really, really comes through. You know, they're setting up, you know, things that were theories on first viewing, you know, Arium and the Three Dots. You know, you can say, oh, man, they're setting that up two episodes out carrying up one episode out then there's the Arium episode and there are all these big movements here that there's just not the time to have a smaller story like this um and if there is it would be a b plot or a c plot against you know Colber's identity issues or which dimension are we in the spore dimension or this one and to have this short trek that's just a straight episode one that's largely funny one that i still think has some depth which we will get into in a little bit it just it's such a welcome difference and i'll do one further pete i doubt very much that this episode of short treks has a direct connection uh the way most of the first season of short treks did where oh my goodness we're setting up things we're we're, you know kind of bobbing and weaving around the main story And I think that's to the benefit of this story where it's just kind of a silly, self-contained, you know, yarn.
1: Well, I think there's a little bit more to discuss in terms of that in our next segment. But Larkin, as a danger here, the idea, well, I am confident in science that I can do this and, you know, moral implications be damned. The the line about making them brain damaged so there'd be no concern about using them as a food source, should they be sentient, you know, because they lack a face speaks to, I mean, geez, Matt, we just saw The Wrath of Khan with William Shatner less than a week ago. And, you know, the moral implications behind science in a day and age where You know, science is increasingly laughed off by people who either don't understand it or who are too arrogant to think that uh, it does not matter.
0: I think building off of that, the argument could be made uh, in the background, not, not as a primary villain, but there's a certain kind of institutional acceptance of him. I mean, one certainly gets the sense that the other scientists on the ship, even before Lucero gets there, you know, they're not sharing resources, and there's a little bit of a distance there, and oh, you see him in the mess hall, and he kind of spouts off, and you just kind of, you do the 23rd century Federation thing, which is be open to so many different perspectives that, okay, you know, that Larkin is a little bit of a character, ha ha, not not my best bud, but... You know, I'm going to always do the right thing, do the right thing. There's kind of nobody here to say, hold on, time out. Your perspective is outside of our moral sphere, even if you're speaking hypothetically or even if you're a doofus. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they lost a ship and there's a civilization that's abandoned its planet. And it's a diplomatic incident with the Klingons, all because nobody was there to kind of say, all right, listen, I, we need your keys to the lab. You can't do this project anymore.
1: Apart from, say, like a Barclay, it's not a character type we've ever really seen before in 50 plus years of Star Trek. And even then, Barclay had a a heart that was always in the right place. This guy summed up perfectly at the end. Idiot.
0: Well, it makes me think uh of the world war ii movie mr roberts that takes place i might have mentioned it before on the podcast uh takes place on a supply ship during world war ii and it's a movie that doesn't have any battles because it's a supply ship that moves mail and toilet paper and bananas and things like that it's at the back of the back of the back um point being you know all the other war movies where it's carrie grant in the submarine saying three two one fire like it's not those kind of heroes in the movie mr Roberts you have to figure Starfleet is the same thing uh you know for every you know for every enterprise that we've seen that's the the best and brightest there's got to be somebody who's just like the least inspiring scientist who's gonna be button pusher number eight on a newer smaller ship that has a brand new captain not the ship that's going out there to do cutting edge science like, you know, Discovery with the the spore drive and all that. You have to wonder how much this script
1: was a tonal audition for lower decks. Granted, those won't be live action, but it really feels, had you animated this, like that will be the direction they're going for. It's not going to be a non-stop laugh fest, you know, and then Doc is spilled all over the captain and and that kind of thing, but I can really see this kind of story being told in that medium.
0: Pete, let's check our long-range sensors for some other theories and interpretations. Uh, Let's kind of move away from the contemporary. Do you think that there is in this episode something of a... uh, an ecological warning, you know, using the resources, managing them carefully, not immediately running for the, the latest solution and being aware of, uh, you know, kind of systemic environmental effects.
1: I mean, listen, the, the way that Edward does the damage here and to bring it back to a classic storyline with these cute little creatures we've always assumed were just out of control on their own and that meddling by an unethical scientist at starfleet of all places created this um, you know you you wonder could there be ramifications i mean the star date on this 1421.9 uh, comes after uh, Discovery has leapt forward into the future. The last episode of Discovery, the start date was 105, 1.8. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't do the conversions or anything like that. But um, this is a post-Discovery Enterprise. This has now happened. If we ever, Matt, get a Pike Enterprise show, certainly a thread to be picked up upon.
0: Pete, certainly so glad that you did the math there to put us in a post season two, but obviously post season two of Discovery, but obviously, you know, still pre, pre, pre Kirk's Enterprise, what with the big clue of Pike on the Enterprise. Uh, ultimately, you know, I never in a million years would have thought, hey, they're going to mine a triple origin story for us, but that's, that's what we got. And The fact that you can dig a little deeper with it, whether it's ecological or contemporary issues, things of that sort. I mean, that's Star Trek. It's not just, hey, it's fuzzy, weird aliens. It's that we have a larger story to tell.
1: And then when you consider Lucero coming before that inquest, what her fate might be, I mean, the real responsibility is that captains have to look out for their crew. I mean... I wouldn't put his death so much on her, uh, but him continuing to make these, I mean, he he's told you disobeyed a direct order. um, But in Starfleet's chain of command, she's the one responsible. And as a, you know, newly minted captain on this science vessel, um, I mean, What I'm not clear on, uh, it's very easily written in. Okay, so the ship was overrun by tribbles and it was failing structurally. How did the tribbles get to the surface and result in, you know, the entire population of the planet needing to be evacuated? Did it crash? Uh, Are are they floating down? And, you know, now we're establishing that the tribbles can survive the vacuum of space. Um, I always enjoyed that you know, the Klingons for all their bluster are terrified of, of Tribbles. And it, it it's one of the, the great uh, ironies that's been set into Star Trek with these characters and, and this, you know, uh, species, um, but just, you know, would, would like a little bit more there. But again, Matt, if we ever get a Pike's enterprise series, it's something they can return to
0: i certainly imagine with the ship failing i imagine that it could enter the upper atmosphere of the planet with enough tribbles still surviving that you know on the way down they're giving birth as the ship falls jumping down, out so, yeah <laughs> or jumping out you know we know that now they have the improved you know the improved bounce ability <laughs> um I, and again all it would take is one tribble that's in the in the beanbag room of, of the ship to survive. And then that's how it could overrun the planet. Um, on the Klingon end, I will certainly agree with you. I know there was some pearl clutching online today saying, Oh, I guess now Kurtzman has them phaser tribbles. They were never mean to them in my star uh, Trek. C- come on.
1: You know, I knew the minute I saw phasers, um, in the teaser for this, They would not vaporize, kill cute, fuzzy little balls. Okay, there's just a subsection of of people, those that get upset over uh, Brent Spiner needing a wig at 70 years old that just can't be pleased. And maybe Star Trek isn't for them anymore. Maybe they should go watch some other stories around their naps.
0: I know this Pete. I know them in classic Trek them beaming the tribbles over to uh to the Klingons. I mean, one can infer that all the tribbles were quickly killed. Furthermore, Pete, uh despite what Gene Roddenberry's lawyer said in the 80s, you know, now it's okay for us to watch and enjoy the animated series in which there's a tribble eating predator um and I believe at least off yes. off camera, but in the scene tribbles get eaten. So like, you know, the worst anti-discovery arguments are made by people who don't know their Star Trek well enough to realize that what they're saying is awful. If you want to say, ah, oh, this is entirely, uh, you know, too flippant an episode for, for whatever. Okay, well, if you don't care for the tone, you don't care for the tone. But you can't use canon to fight your battle here when you don't have all the details right.
1: Canon's almost become a dirty word at this point, Matt. Speaking of canon, just want to uh, enhance what I said before. So the star date I gave you happened at the beginning of the Discovery two-parter to end season two. The final star date we have with Pike's Enterprise um, via Star Trek Discovery, um, Spock makes during a personal log is one two zero one point seven. So it's 124 days after the disappearance of Discovery, 930 years into the future.
0: Pete, any other analyses for this episode, an episode where an ill-prepared man fights the multicultural crew around him in order to prove he's not the dummy?
1: Sometimes people just can't understand the gravity of their situation.
0: With that, let's go to Hailing Frequencies. Healing frequencies open, sir. Pete, let's go to Twitter. And uh, with some discussion this week of two short treks, let's go back in time a little bit, all the way to, like, yesterday or the day before when Annie Harrington that's at any time left uh, said thusly about Q&A. It was delightful. For a second there, I thought they were doing sexual tension, and I was like, no. But then it was musical theater instead, so yay.
1: (laughs) I know a lot of people, you know, myself included, thought that they might kiss. But like I said on that podcast, I was okay with it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think everything that was done in um, the first of the new short treks there in, in Q&A felt organic with those characters.
0: Pete, I'll just say in one sentence, Annie's tweet had me now considering uh, considering things that might appeal to Spock in... in I'll just leave it at that. So any shone a light that goes deep and dark, I suppose, at least in my brain. Um, let's bring it back to this short track, Pete. A uh, tweet from Jesse that's at lot, who says, Just finished the Trouble short. I don't mean to be a party pooper, but did anyone else think it was a little over the top? I'm very open-minded and love all Star Trek. All Star Trek. It was just... Dot, dot, dot different. And, uh, later Jesse following up to say different is okay.
1: Yeah. I, I stand by that. I, I think that, um, to, to set it apart, this is the place where Trek can be experimental and, you know, it's, it's, it's a safe way to see does, does something catch fire, become popular. Um, and then they could give us more of it.
0: Pete, this week's bevy, this week's fleet of podcasts, whether we're talking New York Comic-Con, Watchmen, Godfriended Me, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Card, Star Trek Short Treks, it's all been made possible by the people who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. We would not be here without them, so our thanks to everybody who lends their support. I don't know how we would
1: have accomplished this past week without our patrons, Uh, Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content all sorts of levels from there But you just need a dollar to get in the door and then you too can call us idiots
0: Or Pete they could email our bosses to say nice things. I don't know (laughs) But uh, let's talk about if they want to call you not an idiot directly How can people be in touch with you on Twitter?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,681 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more.
1: Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today.
0: Well, Pete, our Star Trek discussions will go into a little mini hiatus, unless there's breaking news to share. Uh, certainly, we will be back in November to talk the next uh, short Trek. By the way, Pete, just do want to mention, in December, there will be two short Treks on uh, that will drop on the same day. I believe you said one of those is, it the, is an animated one?
1: I think they're both animated.
0: Well, you know, after The Trouble with Edward, I say bring on Star Trek in all its many forms. Nay, Pete, perhaps Infinite? forms of diversity in infinite combinations uh but certainly on the pop culture podcast feed and our other feeds Watchmen, god of me the mandalorian so much more i'll repeat, can't wait to be back at starbase one talking star trek soon but for now i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word
1: this is the end of the conversation that's the end